Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Hey, this is Eric with 30 by 40 Design Workshop with a heads up that all of my content will be streaming on Gable Media. Starting October 7th, you can head on over to gablemedia.com video to check it out. Hi everyone, my name is Steven and I am the creator of Show It Better. And I'm glad to announce that Show It Better is now streaming on Gable Media. Visit gablemedia.com video to catch up on our full catalog. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 344, IT Strategies for Small Firm Architects. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more, all for free. Gusto, easy online payroll benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses like ours. And Monograph, the time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects. Boris Rappaport, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark. Um, thank you for inviting me, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Uh, Boris Rappaport is CEO and technology success partner at Arkit. Uh, for the past 17 years, Arkit has 
And Arkit is ARCHIT, A-R-C-H-I-T, as in information technology. He's a tech guy. So for the past 17 years, Arkit has provided responsive support, proactive management, and strategic IT consulting to many respected architectural design and engineering firms throughout the United States. Uh, Boris believes that with the right technology solutions, smaller firms like us can run their businesses with more efficiency and have a competitive edge over the larger firms. So today, I wanted to have Boris join me here on the podcast to talk about that, how technology can help us as small firms, as entrepreneurs, uh, to be more effective, to be uh, more efficient, and to really do our best work. Because especially right now, with the way that we're all living and working, um, we've things have changed in the last few months, and, uh, and technology has become a, a major piece of what we do as architects. I mean, we've been using technology for a long time to do what we do, but right now, it's, it's throughout the entire process of what we do. Uh, and so from finding clients to doing the work that we do to pr- presenting and providing the, the information that we've, that we've created, it's all happening through technology. So I wanted to have a conversation here with Boris. Boris, before we get into that conversation about technology and, and small firms and how uh, small firms can leverage that technology, I want to know more about you. I want you to dive into your origin story. What inspired you to do what you're doing today and share that story of where you discovered your passion to where you find yourself today? Um, well, thank you. Um, I think um, I, it, it all started um, when I was when I was a kid. So my dad, he was an engineer. Um, and there were times where he brought his work home and he had a drafting table and he would do everything manually. That was back in Ukraine, not much technology there. Um, and as we migrate, immigrated to the United States and I was 13, it was a 92. Um, he started to look for work here and, you know, he started, he was working with many architects and he needed, you know, powerful machines to run CAD, things like that. So he invested a lot of our family savings into setting that up. Um, and I started to discover what computers can do and basically support him and his, I think he was running AutoCAD 10 at that time, support him and his um, AutoCAD um, questions and finding answers for him. And I, that kind of how it started. Like I wanted to be like him, but at the same time I discovered what technology can do. And I think that's where it led me to being a technology partner for architects. What was the reason you chose the technology over the engineering or the architecture? I think I saw more, um, it be, I saw the potential in technology and how it can help um, the world and not just architects, but everybody in, ge- you know, in general. Um, I saw the possibilities with automation and things like that, and it was really interesting to me. And I think um, it was very interesting how I can apply it to the things that my dad was doing and to other things that other people were asking for. So, so you, you've chosen technology over engineering or, or, or architecture or, um, and it, what, what did you do in order to get you to lead you to Arkit? Where, what, what's your background in technology from discovering your passion as a kid to where you are now with Arkit? What, where led you to Arkit? So once I discovered that passion, um, my uncle actually owned a computer store. So when I was 16, I started to work in his computer shop and we were putting together this white box systems for, you know, consumers to buy. Um, and then 
as I went more into it and learned more, um, I then found a consulting um, gig uh, with one of the larger consulting firms in the Bay Area and uh, started to work for them, started as just a junior guy and then kind of evolved into, you know, being the right hand man for, for the owner. Uh, most of our clients or a lot of our clients were in the architecture, engineering and construction space. And those were all the clients that I dealt with. So kind of evolved into that, me being a consultant for the architecture, engineering, construction uh, companies. Yeah. Was that a coincidence that you were in that same industry as your dad was sort of practicing in? You know, at the time I thought it was. Now that I go back and think about it, I mean, I, I don't believe in serendipity, but, you know, it's kind of, it's both, right? It's probably yeah, a coincidence, yeah. but also something drew me to it as well. Right, right, yeah, right. You go back and connect the dots, it all makes sense to yeah. you, that you are where you are today, but along the way, you don't realize that it's all planned and part of your purpose. Um, exactly. So, so talk, to, talk to me a little bit about ARKIT today and, and what it is and what you do. So uh, at the base level, we provide IT services to the architecture, engineering, and construction space, basically smaller firms. Uh, can utilize our services to have a fully staffed IT department. Uh, we, you know, we have junior um, junior engineers, we have more senior engineers, and we have consulting um, engineers that can provide either uh, one-time project support. So if somebody needs to migrate, you know, if they still have on-premise infrastructure, if they need to migrate to the cloud, or if they need to move servers from one server to the other, uh, we can provide that. But um, our baseline service is our monthly service where we basically make sure that you have everything you need uh, from the technology standpoint to run your business. Uh, that takes care of security, data backups, and virus and antivirus protection, uh, and again, consulting services, all part of that package. So do you also help the sort of uh, selecting hardware and software integration and all of that? Uh, yes. Exactly. On our consulting side, we can talk to you about what we do is we basically try to find out as much as possible about your business needs and where you want to take your business and then give you a strategy and a plan for following that. And that can work for a two person firm or a 10 person firm or a 50 person firm. Yeah. And so do you work with a lot of small firms? Uh, we have, I'd say our mix is about, um, and if we're talking about small firms under 10 people, yeah. we have about a 40 40% of our clients are about that size, yeah. then another 40% are 10 to 50, and 20% are larger where they have internal IT already, and we just help them as consultant services. Yeah, what, what do you think is the, the biggest mistake our community of small firms are making right now in terms of technology? Well, I have to start off by saying that, you know, everybody has different type of workflows and people yeah. use different tools. As you know, there's um, at least, even on a CAD side, there's so many different varieties. Although Autodesk is primary, you know, is the primary one, but also ArchiCAD uh, is right there. Uh, and then there's other smaller tools. So it's tough to say that people are making mistakes. Uh, for me, I think the biggest mistake is not thinking about, um, again, and uh, we can apply that to any business and to any person, it's just not, thinking about a strategy and not having a plan, right? Just buying stuff because somebody says, oh, this is great, and not thinking about how it actually applies into your business. Right, and so can you talk to, talk us through that a little bit? Because I could, I could imagine that many of us do that. I know that I, when I started my firm, that's what I did. You know, I, I buy a computer, right? And then I need a software, I buy the software, and then I get to work, and 
I, I need another tool, and so I buy another tool. And, and after 20 years, I have a bunch of tools and a bunch of hardware, but I've never really strategically planned this all out. It all works for me. But w- so what's the advantage of sort of if we're starting a new firm or, or, or we have a, an established firm where we want to go through this process, process of making sure that all our software and hardware work together to be more efficient and more effective, how do we do that? What's, what's sort of the process of going through that planning process? Uh, well, we offer that as part of our service, but if you want to do that yourself, you have to basically sit down and ask yourself, um, again, questions of where you're looking to take your business, right? So if you're predominantly, you know, a small firm that wants to stay small or wants to, you know, if you're a five-person firm, you want to stay five-person firm and you mostly in residential uh, projects, just lay out all the tools that you have currently and see how much you're actually getting the use out of them. And if there's any tools that are not, you know, that you're not utilizing more than, you know, let's say two or three percent of the time, those probably need to be either rolled up into another set of tools or eliminated altogether. Uh, I think that would be that's kind of the first thing that we'll look at as we uh, sit down with our clients and we say, look, what are you guys using? How how much do you actually use it? And it turns out that sometimes there's tools that they're paying, you know, a few thousand dollars a year for that are not being used. Right, that's interesting. Oh. So the first step is subtraction, not addition. So it's not Correct. like when we add to our to our portfolio of so- of software. It's really what are we not using? What's taking up space and and power uh, on our in our systems and, and finances and, and finances, right? Piece. Which is probably the biggest piece, uh, and that we're not using that we could eliminate. Correct. Yeah, uh, and then secondly, again, we look to make sure that. A lot of IT is also about the risk management, right? Because as we can, as we use technology more and more, the inherent risk that technology possesses, um, there's more and more of that risk. Uh, so we look at where the risk exposure is um, and making sure that at least the baselines are covered so that you can run your business successfully and you can be safe and your data can be safe and secure so that one day you don't wake up and all your files are encrypted and you basically lose all of your work and it, you know, it takes even a small firm, it can take a few days to recover and can can a small firm firm afford not having, you know, that time and not having that billable revenue coming in. So when you're talking about security, you're talking about uh, virus protection and, and uh, uh, protection from hacking and, and backups. So if anything does happen, we have some way to recover from that. Is that what you're talking about? Correct. It's a comprehensive. Is there anything uh, else that I'm missing in terms of that? So just um, in terms of baseline tools, you kind of got them all covered, um, but it all works as a comprehensive package. So you can't just have one and not have the other things, Mm -hmm. right? For example, if you have antivirus, that's great. But if you don't have like URL protection, which is more advanced form of antivirus, like if you click on a link, it basically tells you, hey, this is a bad link, don't go there, or blocks it all together, then just having antivirus may not protect you. Because if you get that email with a bad link, um, antivirus may not catch the newest virus um, right. that's out there. Right. I mean, you so have it's, a, go ahead. Sorry. So it's having that whole ecosystem of tools, and that's what we provide as part of the be, uh, baseline service, yeah. and also managing all of that so you can kind of view it across. All of, even though it's a, you know maybe a five-person firm or a seven-person firm, you kind of have a single pane of glass to see if there's any issues. Yeah, I can imagine that as you start adding members to your team, that gets more and more and more important because 
as a single sole practitioner, you may have a little bit more control over that by, you know, being aware of those potential risks and just avoiding them. But when you have a team of people that are working with you, you need to ensure that they too are doing that. And so the technology can help your firm do that, right? Correct. Correct. Especially now when working from home and you're not in a single uh, place like your studio, um, you know, it gives you, there's a larger footprint for exposure because everybody's at home. They may have other devices that are not necessarily protected um, the same way uh, the work computer is. And that can cause additional problems. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that because that's, that's a big change in our profession. And I believe that, uh, that, that some of that change is permanent. That, and I think that's not just architecture. I think that's everywhere in the world. The, the way that we work as a society has forever changed uh, after this, this uh, pandemic. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Arcat, Gusto, and Monograph. Unless you're working for one of the top architecture firms in the world, you know what it's like to work with limited resources. But there's one resource that you can access no matter what size your architecture firm, RCAT.com. RCAT is the online solution for your building product information needs. They offer BIM objects, CAD details, specifications, and much, much more from leading manufacturers from all over the world. Research building products and get the information you need all in the same place, fast and easy. And best of all, it's free. RCAT doesn't charge you anything for these resources. You don't even need to register or give them your email. And when I say it's free, there's no catch. Visit RCAT.com and try it out. Search for the resources that you need and RCAT will deliver. That's RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. RCAT.com. Build better. Taking care of your employees has never been more important than now. For years, Gusto's been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the people platform. And it doesn't just look nice, and it does look nice. It also works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks as you grow. As a listener of the Entree Architect podcast, you will get three months free after your first payroll when you go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That's entrearchitect.com slash gusto. And make sure that you let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Gusto, the people platform. Visit entrearchitect.com slash gusto today. Are you tired of spreadsheets? Of using spreadsheets to keep track of your project plans, your budgets, your staff, your time? Spreadsheets. Our friends at Monograph know what that's like because they're architects too. They know all about that spreadsheet mess that you're dealing with. So they did something about it. Monograph is a time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects to respond to the challenges that small and medium sized firms face on their quest to a profitable business. With Monograph's integrated suites of tools, you'll stay on track and on budget without the overhead of wrangling spreadsheets every day. Improve your firm's operations today. Try Monograph for free at entrearchitect.com slash monograph. Ditch the spreadsheets. Visit entrearchitect.com slash monograph 
and try Monograph today for free. RCAT, Gusto, and Monograph. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. The idea that technology is a, an integral part of what we do as architects from the very beginning all the way through to delivery uh, is is incre- incre- very, very important. It's critical that we uh, are putting together systems in a very intentional way and, and systems that that are safe and secure and that our risk is managed, but also that the, that it's efficient and that it's effective in what we're doing. It helps us build a better business because the technology is there. So with this in mind, Boris, of sort of looking at the, this new world of work, uh, what are some things that architects should be thinking about in terms of you know working remotely from home uh, and, and potentially in the future having this sort of flexibility of working anywhere you want, potentially in an office at times or at home at times or anywhere in the world that you want, what are some things that architects should be looking at in terms of, uh, of you know, working remotely? I think the biggest challenge we had in the last few months and people asking us questions um, a lot about this is just the home connectivity mm-hmm. may not be uh, the same as their office connectivity, right? And it's a difference in the internet service that you're getting because our home internet is designed to give us streaming and not necessarily provide us enough upload uh, capacity to, you know, upload, upload, sorry, upload large files and drawings. Um, so figuring that part out is probably the first step is making sure that your connectivity um, is good enough for you to do your work. Is there there's a, some, is there a minimum? Ahead. Is there a minimum that we should be looking at? Uh, we, the recommendation would be a five megabit upload uh, minimum. But um, I know not everybody has that and not, you know, it may not be available in some parts of the country as well. Now, we are in the San Francisco Bay Area. I think we're uh, lucky than some of the other areas because of a lot of other technology, um, you know, companies that are here. Uh, I think the Internet capacity is a little higher than everywhere else. But, um, you know, if you can at least get two megabits and make sure that that's stable, um, that would be a good start. Yeah, and, and uh, there's a big difference with internet technology of downloading and uploading. Typically, downloading is pretty fast, uh, but uploading, getting your files out of your system and out to the other system through the internet is usually the much slower process, right, Boris? Yes, correct. In the residential setup, yeah, um, that's that's what it's optimized for, right? Because it's optimized for streaming, so you can sit at home and download Netflix all day. Right. It's not optimized for you to do work. and. I think initially in the first couple of weeks of um, everybody working from home, you know, we've seen messages from AT&T and Comcast uh, and other service providers where they were trying to build out the capacity because they couldn't catch up at that time. I think now it got in a little more stable, but you still want to make sure that you have a connection that is stable and that provides you, um, you know, the service that you're paying for. Because if you're paying for two megabits of upload, you should be getting that. And if not, uh, first thing to do is probably try to restart your router. And we recommend, in these days, we recommend restarting routers at least once a week. Oh, interesting. Uh, just, um, because, again, the routers are not designed for uploads either. And there's some components there that may get um, either overheated or 
uh, used in a capacity that it's not designed to use. So restarting it kind of clears everything out and gives you better performance. Yeah. So a restart, is that just a matter of unplugging the router and plugging it back in and letting it sort of re reboot and reset? Pretty much, yeah. Just unplug it for a minute and then plug, plug it back in. And um, yeah, you should, be, you should be in a better place. Interesting. So, so the reason it slows down is because it's it's running on different settings, or is it just sort of overloaded with information? I, it's overloaded with information. Yeah, interesting. I, I bet you, <laughs> not too many of us are doing that. I know I'm not doing that. I'm going well, to do it as soon as I'm finished talking with you. <laughs> well, I'll give you another tip too. Yeah. Um, you, if you're renting a router from your service provider, you're paying like ten bucks a month probably to rent it. Um, if you've had that service for a while most likely you've had that router for a while like i've seen people have routers for four years in yeah. their houses now you should call them and try to get an upgraded piece of equipment because by now that four-year-old router is end of life yeah right and even though it's working in your house um there's a newer model that's probably much better performance wise and can you know um, streamline your connection Right, and that's just a telephone call and a request to say, hey, I've had this router for a long time. I want an upgrade. Correct. Boris, do you have a preference on internet type because there's fiber and there's cable? Is there one better than another? Definitely fiber. Fiber's better. If, yeah, if you had a choice in your area, um, I would go with a fiber connection. A lot more capabilities, um, more stable connectivity, um, minimal delay. So delay... Is some is basically how long it takes for a signal to reach from point A to point B. Uh, on a cable service, it's about 15 milliseconds, which is good. On a DSL, it's terrible. It's sometimes gets close to 100 milliseconds. So I would not recommend DSL to anybody. Uh, on fiber, it's uh, two three milliseconds, which is awesome. Yeah. For uh, internet connection stabilized and figured out, and we make sure that we have that upload speed in place. What are what's sort of the next step we should be paying attention to in terms of uh, working from home? Uh, well, again, we've touched on security, but yeah. I'm going to say that again. Uh, pay attention to your security posture. Um, you know, we've we've been bombarded with a uh, you know COVID nineteen hygiene, right? Wash your hands every day. Right. Um, do this, do that. Wear a mask. Um, similarly, uh, we have to think about you know our security hygiene and the security basics making sure that we use complex passwords. Um, if you have two-factor authentication available to you for any of your services that you're using, utilize that, right? And what two-factor authentication means is that you log in with your password and then you get an authentication code on your phone so you can approve that access. Because uh, a lot of times and now with hackers getting more and more sophisticated, uh, passwords are not enough to protect you. Yeah. Um, and then just some some basic um, video conferencing hygiene, I guess. Make sure all the meetings that you set up with your clients have passwords on them as well. Yep, we've um, experienced because, that here at Entree Architect. We had a visitor, an unwanted visitor on one of our calls. You don't want that to happen, so use passwords. I'm not going to get into the details. You don't want it to happen to you, so, so use passwords. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's one of the reasons. Um, that's the most important reason. Um, and then, yeah, uh, what else? I think that's kind of, you know, it on the security basics. Again, make sure that the computers that you connect to your files have the antivirus, the URL protection, 
uh, and that you're backing up all your files. So if your files are in Dropbox, for example, um, it's an, not a well-known fact that Dropbox actually doesn't do backups of your files, right? So you still have to back them up separately. Um, okay, so, we, so have, yeah. we have our internet connection figured out. We have our risk management figure out, figured out. What's, what's the next thing that we should be paying attention to? So the next, two, the next thing, and again, it depends on your workflow and the size of your firm. Um, we have to figure out, we basically have, have to figure out a way to collaborate. So if you're a multi-person firm and you have a projects that multiple people um, work on at the same time, um, you're most likely still need to have some sort of on-premise server uh, to accommodate that. Um, because we found in the past we've seen, or in the last two months, we've seen issues where uh, people trying to use AutoCAD, for example, with Dropbox. You have to have a lot of coordination to make sure that nobody has that file open because otherwise two people open it at the same time. AutoCAD does not have the locking mechanisms uh, for cloud services. Um, one suggestion would be maybe start using Revit, right? So if you're in the Autodesk universe, um, try to um, migrate from AutoCAD to Revit. I know there's a lot of, in terms of learning curve, but it's the software of the next five years, right? Um, Autodesk is not going to invest into AutoCAD yeah. anymore. Um, so, so you have to switch eventually. So switching, switching over, so you had mentioned um, on-site server rather than using a service like Dropbox or, or Google Drive, uh, because if those systems start to fail or, or there's no integration in, with coordination among team members, then you have a problem, right? You have to time, time who's opening up that file and when you can't work on the file at the same time. And, but, Correct. but then, so the next step of moving to a, to a BIM software like Revit, um, uh, sort of helps that process, right? That it's, uh, that it, that it does allow you to that software, if you use it on the right platform, allows you to work on that model at the same time with other team members. Correct. Correct, and not just team members, also your consultants and the clients can all access it at the same time, and uh, you can do some real-time collaboration using the tools um, that Autodesk has, like BIM 360, uh, right? So BIM 360 is a platform that's specifically designed uh, for you to collaborate on projects using Revit. Um, so inside that platform, once you upload the model, there's a lot of other capabilities like instant messaging um, and you know, real-time document edits for multiple team members and things like that. So that that model, that Revit model, is sitting on your on-site server and then using these other tools to access it? Is that what, how it would work? No, actually, BIM 360 is a full cloud platform. Okay. You actually, you so the model's out the model. there in the cloud. Exactly. So Autodesk built it specifically so you can host a model in a cloud. And that's right. the only solution that allows you to host the model in a cloud in a correct way. So it's the alternative to host, you know, having it sitting in a Dropbox somewhere and then having to coordinate who's going to use it and when. If you have it out on a BIM 360, BIM 360, is that what it's called? Yep, it's called BIM 360. BIM, BIM 360 um, through Autodesk, then everybody can be working on it at the same time. Correct. Right. And cooperating, um, you know, commenting, during, you know, doing the RFIs and things like that. Right. So another reason to switch from CAD to BIM, there's a lot of architects in our community who are using CAD. Um, I'm still using CAD, but I'm working alone on small projects. And so we're, we're with a very small team, just me and my wife. And so uh, it's, it's much easier to do that. But 
but I think a lot of small firm architects have been uh, waiting for that moment to come to switch over, right? They're procrastinating because it's because it's hard. It's there's this transition process and and education that you need to make. So, do you have Correct. any any suggestions on that on terms of how to jump the psychological hurdle to get from CAD to to BIM? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one, and I think you know, I kind of fall into the same trap, right? I'm, I'm getting used to certain tools and it's not always easy to um, to switch because the investment that you have to make um, in terms of time um, spent to understand and to really master the software takes, takes a lot of time. But I think now is the time to do it because you right. are at home. Um, you know, you can spend extra, instead of commuting, for example, if you have had a commute, you can use that time to, you know, take a class, right? So spend that hour. Um, and for us in the Bay Area, so my commute was an hour and a half <laughs> each way. So now I use that hour and a half to um, to learn something. Right. So you have um, so three, that, that three extra hours every day to to dedicate, rather than wasting that sleeping in or whatever else you, you would end up doing with that. You know, keep your schedule and use that time to educate yourself on a new tool. Correct. Yeah, good advice. Is there anything else that we should be thinking about in terms of this new way of working? Um, again, it it will depend firm to firm. Uh, for I think one two person firm, um, I think we've covered a lot of it. For yeah. larger firms that have studios and um, you know have employees that are that would still prefer to work from home, it's thinking about how to integrate both of those pieces into their workflow. Right. It's how do I have two people in the office and then four other people working from home? Um, how to make that a really collaborative experience for all of my employees? Um, again, we have to look at we'll have to look at the tools and try to identify which tools can be used for that or which tools need to be upgraded or migrated to something that is more useful. Yeah. Boris, this has been super interesting and very, very informative. I think that many of us are in that moment right now, you know, where we have been working uh, from home for a while now. We've we've been in lockdown. Maybe we're even starting to transition back to to uh, to work in, you know, in our in our workplaces. But like I said in the beginning, our uh, way of working has forever changed. Right. And so these firms, our firms, companies throughout the world have seen the advantage of this. Uh, working remotely, there's advantages to it, both economically uh, and from a from a workplace uh, point of view, like a staff morale point of view. There's lots of advantages of working remotely, um, and so uh, I think it's it's permanent, right? There's some some pieces of it are permanent, and so this process, these steps that you've given us, is uh, are a great tool for us to sort of uh, start thinking about how we make this more permanent. So before we wrap up, Boris, I would love for you to answer the question that I ask everybody that comes on my show is what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, well, since I'm a tech guy, I'm going to say plan, plan, plan and invest in technology because technology is your um, it, technology is your way into um, how should I say it? Using technology will make you more competitive in the marketplace with larger firms. 
I guess yeah. let's put it that way. And that resonates well with our community, you know, of entrepreneur architects is, is technology will help you be a better business, right? It'll help us make more money, be more effective in what we're doing um, and live a better life because of all that. And so leverage that technology to the best of your ability. So uh, his name is Boris Rappaport. You can learn all about Boris and his company, Arkit. Uh, it's spelled A-R-C-H-I-T. So like Arc, Arc for like architect and IT for inter, in, uh, information technology. Uh, the website is Get Arkit. Get Arkit. And we'll have links to all of this on the show notes. Um, you can also connect to Boris on LinkedIn. Just type in Boris Rappaport and he'll pop right up. I've already tried it. He's there. So link to him and say, hey, I heard you on the uh, Entree Architect podcast and I appreciate you for sharing your knowledge. And Boris, this has been a great conversation and I do appreciate you for coming here and sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, if uh, any people in your audience have any questions, they sh should be, you know, feel free to reach out to me at any time. And I appreciate your time and uh, you have a wonderful rest of your day. You've been listening to episode 344 of the Entree Architect podcast with Boris Rappaport, IT strategies for small firm architects. If you'd like to access the show notes or share this link with a friend, please do share this link with a friend. It's entrearchitect.com slash episode 344. Nice and simple. Type that into your email and send it to a friend. Entrearchitect.com slash episode 344. Entree Architect podcast is proud to be part of the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media, curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. That's you. You can listen and subscribe to all the shows, podcasts, and now video at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership, ready to edit business resources, live monthly training, supportive architecture community of small firm architects just like you. They're all waiting for you at Entree Architect Academy membership. Learn more and enroll at entrearchitect.com slash join. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening today to the Entree Architect podcast. I appreciate you for being here and for listening and for sharing each and every episode. Love, learn, and share what you know. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, 
that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us can we do this are we ready to do this are we prepared can we do it did we just decide a name <laughs> we did it guys oh my one that God. came out of nowhere Woo! it came out of nowhere i liked it i saw it ready to turn your aspirations into reality follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to emerging and chart your own path to architectural success Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.